What's going on, dear listeners? Welcome back to another episode of Pixel Splitters, your absolute favorite podcast about movie news, tech news, entertainment news, news news, not news news. No. Like, just like, movies <laughs> and stuff. Entertainment, yeah, yeah. TV, all, you yeah. know, all that stuff. You know yeah. by now. We're... Everything everything <laughs> in there. Uh, as always, we are your hosts. My name is Willis. And my name is Josh. And I feel like I do that little trip of like, what news do we do? Like every time I'm the host of one of these. It's okay because we, we go back and forth. You never really know, yeah. you know? I know. It's chaos. We, <laughs> but it's going to be a chaotic uh, episode. Maybe, yeah. Possibly. It's got that Who energy. <laughs> um, Josh, you want to start us off with uh, a couple pieces of content that you consumed in the past week? I absolutely would love to do that. Um, so the first piece of content that I'm going to tell you guys about is I actually started to read the Invincible comic run, uh, which be, it's honestly because I'm so impatient to get the next season of Invincible that I'm like, I'm just not going to wait. I'm just going to read it and, and see what happens. Um, obviously created by Robert Kirkland and drawn by Corey Walker and Ryan Otley. And it's it's pretty, the show is pretty faithful to the, the comic, yeah. which is really, really awesome. There's some things that they've done with uh, the plot and where things are like aligned with things. And they've, you know, kind of changed the, the orientation of a couple things, but generally speaking, like there are straight up frames that are in the show, which is really, really awesome. And it's a very clear that they had a, they had a vision for this going into it. And I'm, I'm yeah. so excited for season two of invincible. Cause it's just, it's, it's one of those shows that's unique and actually yeah. really well made, which is cool. Um, so that's my first piece. My second piece is a podcast that is called don't ask Tig, which is hosted by Tig Notaro, mm. who is like an incredible comedian, uh, really great at improv. Her, her sense of humor is really dry, but it's not like too dry. It's there's, you know, when she's joking versus, you know, some, yeah. sometimes you can't really tell with those comedians, but it's really, really funny. It's another one where she has celebrity guests on a lot of times, obviously really funny people that she knows, um, but they answer questions from the listeners, which is really awesome and funny because they put little funny twists on it. And there, oh, she nice. has guests on there that you wouldn't think are funny, like Zack Snyder, and he actually turns out to be really funny. Um, obviously, hmm. they did uh, Army of the Dead together, so they have a yeah. relationship. But it's a really great time. She's got guests like Will Ferrell on there, Aisha Tyler. It's 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 a really good podcast uh, to listen to, especially if you like that kind of thing. Um, nice. So don't What's it ask, one more time? Don't ask Tig, and I think it's on everything. I just listened to it on Spotify, but I'm sure you can find I would it. Assume, yeah, pretty much anywhere. Um, so yeah, those are my two pieces of content for this nice. week. What about you? So I got a couple. Um, the first one I'm going to throw out there is. I watched the first two episodes of How I Met Your Father. Oh, and <laughs> it's tough. It's it's real. It's a really brutal show. Like, oh, God, I want to say there's potential there. Yeah. Um, but like, it's not. I don't want to say highbrow comedy, but it's not like high intelligence. It's kind of just like the obvious joke here. Yeah, um, yeah. Oh God. So I don't know. That I, I will say despite my distaste, it did make me laugh a few times. So like there's okay. something there, but it's it's tough. Yeah. Um certainly not how I met your mother. I mean, you can't just go in and be like, We'll do it again. 
Yeah. No, that's just not how it works, man. Like there was yeah. so much the characters, the characters and how I met your mother made the show. And it's show. like you can you can kind of see of like here's this character, here's this character, oh. here's this character. The other the other thing that really I took issue with is so she's a, a freelance photographer in oh. in the show. Yep. Um which is totally fine. I know I'm going to have opinions about everything with her being a photographer. Um <laughs> But the thing that really got me, and this is so nerdy, but in the opening sequence, they have like all of these like images going by that are on like film. Like it's like a, you know, a stretch of film, oh. except there's one that's clearly labeled as Tri-X film and it's in fucking color. Oh, and I'm like, Tri-X film is black and white, you nerds. Like, come on. Like, man. so some somebody somewhere was like, oh, yeah, we'll just take this film frame and. uh and hope that's, nobody that's cares. Oh, God. Yeah. Come yeah. on, guys. That's how much care they put into it. Yeah. <laughs> she's also the total cliche of a, like, she's a um, engagement photo or an engagement photographer, mm-hmm. et cetera. But her passion is street photography. And I'm like, Ugh. oh, God. But, um, <laughs> so maybe sit this one out. I think I might I, I might sit this out. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm going to give it a couple more, but I'm kind of like, yeah. We'll yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The other piece of content, now that I've talked about that one for 10 minutes, uh, the other piece of content that I consumed this past week uh, at long last was the documentary um, My Octopus Teacher, uh, which won the Oscar for Best Documentary last year. And it's actually really interesting and like really like sweet and contained and like it doesn't try and like understand everything of this huge thing. It's about this guy who went and swam with a octopus every day for a little over a year and it's it's sweet it's nice interesting I, so, yeah i have not checked that yeah. out either interesting all right and it's only like 90 minutes long it's on netflix gotcha it's a nice easy i knocked it out on a sunday morning when i was just like oh yeah i could watch that right now perfect yeah hell yeah I, I'll, I'll need to add that to my watch list i completely forgot about that movie to be honest <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it's not like a you know press and go see it immediately kind of thing but Right, but if it's a good movie, if it's a good watch, I, I enjoy a good doc every yeah. now and then, yeah. so sweet. And this would fit well in that in that vein. So what are we going to talk about today, Josh? Uh, we're going to start off by talking about the brand new movie studio that's going to be functioning and operating in space. We did it, guys. We, we finally did it. We made it to space <laughs> because ropes are amateur hour true Uh, yeah so we're going to talk about uh the would-be movie studio space station uh we're also going to talk about sundance which is going on right now as we're recording Mm -hmm. uh and their sort of approach of being a virtual film festival and what's good about that what's bad about that and uh what it means moving forward yeah absolutely and then we're going to talk about a, a rumor that's been kind of floating around that has been addressed really for the first time. And that is the concept of uh, Willem Dafoe as the Joker, which I have some thoughts about, like, like, yeah, but yeah, but yeah. Yeah. Um, but what kind of movie? Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah. And last, we're going to talk about uh, something that I think we've touched on previously on this podcast, but never really delved into mm-hmm. uh, and that's the idea of there being an oscar category for stunt work in movies yeah. which there was a 
guest column in the Hollywood Reporter this past week uh, that really broke down the case for it pretty intently. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna chew on that for a little bit. Absolutely. Sound good? Yes, yeah. it does. All right, let's get right into it. So space. The final frontier. The final frontier. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I was hoping you'd take the bait. Of course, of course. Uh, <laughs> so we're going to start making movies in space. Yeah. This is, of course, as so many things, comes back to being Tom Cruise's fault, really. Literally, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know. Um, but, yeah, so there was, I believe, earlier this year, or last year, mm -hmm. uh, there was a Russian crew that shot in space. Yep. Beating out the American crew as... I don't know, the space race 2022. <laughs> it starts up again, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But so, but also Tom Cruise and Doug Liman are directing and starring in a film, uh, I believe sometime later this year, that part of it's so. being filmed in space. I, yeah. I'm taking a really long-winded approach to saying they're shooting these movies <laughs> in space. And in response to that, there has been a, a, a plan released by the Space Entertainment Enterprise, S-E-C-S-E-E, -E, which isn't going <laughs> to cause any problems down the line. Oh, definitely not. Um, no, no, no. <laughs> they're going to build a commercial space that can attach to the International Space Station, and they're going to shoot movies there. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you think about that, Josh? Well, my first thought when I like when I heard about this was, are there that many movies being made today? I guess I mean it, it, this is slated to be to start production, I think, sure. in 2024, and then be viable in 2028 or something like that. But yeah, are there that many movies that require something of this magnitude? Because I can only assume this is going to cost like hundreds of millions, if not yeah. billions of dollars to do and get functioning. And I don't know how they're going to staff it or, or train people to deal with it or, or whatnot, but it just seems like it might not be a worthwhile investment for something that just seems like, okay, every five years we get a movie that's truly mind blowing, like a space odyssey type of movie, like gravity or interstellar or something like that, that would maybe require something like this. Um, so uh, that's kind of my, my main question is like, who's besides Tom Cruise and maybe Christopher Nolan, like yeah. who's asking for something like this? Cause this I'm sure would add, you know, an extra, f I, I can't even fathom how much money would yeah. add to your budget to make a movie like this, you know, flying yeah. the whole crew up into space alone is just insane. So, you know, it's just, uh, that's the thing I'm, I'm trying to wrestle with in my mind. It's like who minus Tom Cruise and Doug Lyman are really going to do this, you know, to make a whole production studio in space. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know. I <laughs> so the thing that I like, I had the same reaction to you, as you of like, but why? Like, what and then i started chewing on it and i'm like what production could you even do in there you know what i mean like it's got to just be like a green screen room like right you know you, you're not building sets you're not building i mean like just thinking of the size of like the international space station it's not like they're going out there and putting like a football field in space it's probably right. going to be like a you know at tops like a 20 by 20 room right exactly and for what you're able to do in a 20 by 20 green screen or whatever room. Right. 
can you not do that on Earth and fake that on Earth? Right. Like, gravity's pretty fucking dope. Yeah. Like, I don't yeah. think of times <laughs> in the movie Gravity when I'm like, she doesn't, I don't think she's in space. Right. Like, I didn't, she's, I don't, she's I'm not, not convinced. This would, yeah. This would be more real if she was in space. Right. Like, it took you, like, it almost took you out of the movie being like, oh, well, this just doesn't feel yeah. realistic or something. You know, some Star Wars stuff can be like that, but it's a different type of thing, I feel like. A Star Wars is like yeah. gravity. Who cares? You know, it's not real in that universe. <laughs> yeah. Whereas, or I yeah. think of things like, um, the Martian where it's like they're floating right. around in there and it's like it, there are points to which it's like it does look like they just have a harness around their body and then their limbs are kind of flying wherever gravity wants to take them. But like I don't I don't care like that doesn't take me out. And I feel like if I spent the whole part of a movie being like what scene was shot in space. Exactly. That you know? would take me out. That would be like, yeah, I mean, and it's different because I. I Obviously, if we're just talking about Tom Cruise here, his whole deal is like he likes to have the spectacle of him doing something dangerous or outlandish yeah. or something like that, which I can understand. I mean, in the Mission Impossible movies, that's a big reason of why I still like to go see yeah. them. You know, it's what what crazy shit is this guy going to do? But when it's something like this, I, I just don't see that as being enough of a reason to spend that much money on something like this. Like, yeah, Tom yeah. Cruise taking off on an airplane. That's that's well, doable and easier than this, you know? <laughs> yeah, and especially because the novelty of it will fade very quickly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, the first couple movies, it'll be like, oh, wow, that's fucking great. Like, yeah, like, if they're like, oh, this movie was shot in this new space studio. Right. Like, I'm going to see that. I got to see what that's about. Hell yeah. And there's been 20 of them. When there's been 30 of them or whatever, like right. when there's been an MCU amount of like space movies. Right. I'm going to be like, I'm not excited because it's shot in space anymore because it's commonplace. And it's like, I don't think you're getting that much of a benefit from shooting there. So Exactly. The benefits, the, the cost does not, the benefit, it just doesn't even out anywhere. I don't see it evening out at all for being worth it to have something like this. And the other thing is like having studios that would, green light something like this because it's also yeah. like it's also dangerous like it's not just a yeah oh well we're gonna shoot on something like that it's it's you're flying an, an entire... insurance guy somewhere that's losing yeah. his mind exactly like you're flying an entire crew of people who are not astronauts into yeah. space well i imagine you'd have to have like the space crew uh, oh oh for sure but i just mean you like, know what the, i mean the general crew it's like you're flying a bunch of people up there who who well no but that's what i'm saying i feel like they would probably train oh oh a yeah crew, a studio crew, you know be like okay yeah you'll use rdp right um, sure sure or our sound oh. op who knows how sound operates in space it's an interesting thing of like yeah is stuff gonna operate differently um, oh that's so true and using different cameras and like gimbals and stuff like it would be a very yeah. How would that even work? Like, <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's a weird, like shots will definitely be smoother, but also like there's a whole world of tech to be unfolded. Maybe that's the win of this is there's a whole world of tech to be unfolded for this, for when we all live in space and want to make movies in space. But like, right. I, I don't think that's what the win is on that. That's <laughs> dumb. It, it seems like one of those things that's pretty much 
marketing itself off of the gimmick of being in space. Once people understand what it is and like what you can yeah. actually feasibly do there, I don't think it's going to be this. Okay, now every movie is shot like this. Um, it it yeah. could be like a three D, the three D craze, it's the or new something IMAX. like that. Yeah, yeah, it's like everything shot in space. But it's like, yeah, I, I just. I just don't see that. Like, would Moonfall have been shot in in the space station? Like, yeah. in which so, parts? Like, <laughs> it's an interesting thing. What we're what we keep going to here of like Nolan or Moonfall or Tom Cruise because like it would have to be those massive things. But it, arguably, the cooler results from a studio in space would come from much smaller budget stuff of like somebody yeah. that's gonna like play with the fact that like there's no gravity for water or something. Like, it's not just right. like oh yeah, look, a person's floating which is right. what I think a majority of the big studio things that would do this are going to do. It's oh, going to totally. be like, like how can I play with the idea of like things that are just like floating around me and like have that natural reaction of that kind of, right. Yeah. But like, that's yeah. I, I the price tag is going to be too high. It's, it's true. And I can't wait to see when we see the, the, the new mission impossible and see just what it's like. Cause again, I've seen, I mean, we keep going back to Nolan, but it's like he's done stuff that has impressed me far beyond anything, you know, yeah. filmmaking well, the, wise. Um, Mission Impossible is not the one that's in space, is it? Oh, no, I didn't mean Mission Impossible, but whatever this Doug Lyman oh, movie oh, is yeah, going yeah, to be. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure, who knows? <laughs> Fast and Furious might take it up there. Like, you know, <laughs> it's. Wouldn't that be amazing if it was just like, oh, yeah, this entire, just pulled a Jason, like Jason X was in space? <laughs> Jesus Christ. And it just now everything is just set in space and every movie costs four hundred million dollars and, and studios just and nobody cares because it's like, yeah. <laughs> Cause it's still a bad movie, but it's shot in space, you know. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. I I, yeah. I would like to see the numbers on what it's gonna cost a film crew to actually get up there because that's another that's it's yeah. another thing that you have to think about when you're budgeting out for something like this. Okay, are we gonna do one shot in the space station. How long does it take? How long does it cost to be up there for however long you need to shoot? You know, yeah. it's, it's, there's a lot of questions here and I don't know if it's going to work out, but I, it's, it's happening. It's, it's coming. So, yeah. I don't know if you're doing anything better up there than you can in a green screen room or, you know, with CG. I just yeah. don't know. You, you watch any of Nolan's movies, like Interstellar or Tenet or yeah. um, it's like, or even Inception, you're like, you're watching things there that have, that impressed me to this day and they're mm -hmm. done practically. So I'm like, if you can do that already, I mean, part of the ingenuity yeah. of filmmaking is the struggle of having to figure out how to do something. Yeah. And this kind of takes part of that out. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. So you know what else? It, I, no, there's nothing there. <laughs> I I was, I don't know. So Sundance is virtual this week. I was like trying to this week. Yeah. This year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was trying to um, tie in something with like sunrise and space and sun dance and there's nothing there. You almost, there's something there. There's but not definitely something there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> A better podcast host could have done it. <laughs> more experienced we'll go with that but i just bailed out and uh <laughs> called attention to it move. yes yeah <laughs> so sundance so sundance is virtual this year <laughs> josh why don't you tell me what's i i haven't been following as closely so why don't you tell me what's going on with sundance 
Sure. Um, so yes, like he said, Sundance Film Festival is virtual. I believe for the second year. I can't remember if I'm sure last year it either didn't happen or it was virtual. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so what they're doing is they still are selling tickets for um, different pass levels where you can get in uh, to different screenings and different number of films are built into each one. Which, st- if you look at the pricing, I'm like, really, nine hundred bucks for not being <laughs> at Sunday? You know, it it is yeah. what it is. But you can also buy $20 tickets for individual screenings, which is cool, which is kind of the whole ordeal that's going on right now. It's it's like thinking about the fact that you're not there in person and Sundance is yeah. such is one of those events that really it, the whole the whole event or the experience was being there, being at Sundance, seeing all the actors, yeah. the filmmakers, being able to talk to people about the movies, being able to actually go and physically sit in a movie theater or, you know, a big screening room and 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 um, like experience this stuff firsthand. That's kind of a big draw as well as the exclusivity. But this year and last year, I guess it's technically more accessible than it's ever been before. Cause like, yeah. yeah, you could still go buy single film tickets at Sundance for 20 bucks, but you still had to get there. You know, you still had yeah. to rent a hotel room and drive there or fly there. And now basically anyone that knows about it can, if you get an, you know, if you get uh, in you get the in queue, there, yeah. yeah, you can watch any of these movies, which has never been possible before. Like I never even thought of realistically attending Sundance just because of the price. Yeah. I, I texted you today. I'm like, hey, have you seen anything? Because you, you could technically watch anything that was yeah. being screened. So it's just a really interesting situation that they found themselves in, which kind of made it more popular in a way, but yeah. has some strange implications that we're going to talk about here. Um, yeah. So what do you think overall about the way that this is being done and potentially, I mean, this is going to be another big question, but potentially... What this might like, how this might negatively impact not just Sundance yeah. but film festivals going forward. I mean, it's a big, it's a big leap to go virtual on something it's, like this. Yeah, it's it's something that's like, and with something as large as Sundance, there's precedent now of like all these smaller ones could be like, well, you know, it worked for Sundance, they got out all right, so we can keep doing that. But right, yeah, it's 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 a little bizarre to me because, like you're saying, like so much of Sundance is being in person and so much of Sundance is more than just the screenings, especially these days. There's a lot of parts to Sundance that are like, we already know what's going to be screened when it's there. I think you said, uh, worst person in the world is playing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And that that's already been making noise and already been seen by a ton of people. And like, you know, it's kind of out there already. So it's like a weird, like, if you're involved with worst person in the world mm-hmm. and you go to Sundance, like there's a good chance that it's you've it's already been screened for you or you've already seen it because it's been out there in the world. Right. So like then it becomes very much about like, let's talk about what's going on with this film and what kind of distribution deal I can get or things like that. You know, like larger question things that I think just don't work as well remotely. Totally. You know? Yeah. So I guess what I'm getting down to is I think it's kind of a negative for like the filmmakers. Right. Just because, I mean, how many careers have been launched at Sundance? Like, it's so true. Freaking Tarantino. I mean, (laughs) yeah. And it's, it's, it's way harder if you can't just see somebody across the room and go over and introduce yourself and be like, Hey, have you seen my film? You know, if you have to be in a pre 
determined Zoom meeting or something like that, you know. Uh, yeah. The other thing that I find interesting from this is like, so with the like screening tickets and online thing like that, like this is dangerously close to like a premiere. Yeah. You know, like, and that's a big thing of like exclusivity of premieres of like, oh yeah, this is like the Northeast premiere of this, or this is the international premiere or this is whatever. And then beyond that in like, oh yeah, this is like the box office premiere of it. Like if there's already money that's been made to a degree on that, to the mm-hmm. general public. Yeah. That's like a different kind of conversation. That's a streaming release. Yeah. And like even Which, more of a, of a release too, because like you said, there's ticket sales involved. It's not like, yeah. okay, they throw it up on HBO max and you, you could just find it. If you have the subscription, it's like you bought a ticket to yeah. this. Which you know? like argument that like you do that for a film festival anyway, but there's a higher level of exclusivity to film festivals just because of the, operations needed to get to them you yeah know? yeah so it's cool i'm like excited that these things are more readily available but i feel like on the back end it doesn't make anywhere near as much sense from the filmmaker side totally totally because and it's weird because on one hand I, I i struggle to say more people will see your film because i think it's probably this maybe the same amount if not a a little bit higher capacity per screening, but just yeah. different kinds of people will see your end up seeing your movies just because yeah. it's again the people that would never be able to go to Sundance. But it's interesting because literally a big part of Sundance for filmmakers is the fact that you can is word of mouth that people talk about your movie, you yeah. talk to distributors, producers, you, everybody goes to these larger film festivals for that. I mean, the, the distributors are there for that to pick up good content that they can push to the public. And when you don't have that kind of networking, that person to person networking, yeah. which obviously is hard to do during COVID, but it's, it's, it takes away a huge amount of the value for people to even want to submit stuff to Sundance. Cause it's like, well, yeah, a lot more people saw it, but that doesn't really mean anything if yeah. the the movie doesn't go anywhere afterwards. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's more people that are going to not see it when it comes out in theaters. Exactly. Um, yeah. So it's this weird double edged sword here, where it's it's good for the general public, but that doesn't really mean anything because again, like uh, worst person in the world, who I'm sure is going to get picked up by someone just because of the buzz. Yeah. But if it doesn't, you might never see that movie. Like I might never see that movie. Like that's just one of those things where you might, it might never come out or it'll come out on like a quiet release on some streaming service and no one ever hears about it. And that's, that's really, that's scary for filmmakers, budding filmmakers that rely on places like Sundance to, to get their name out there. Um, It's one of the things that's still like, you know, we talked a couple weeks ago about the difference between like cinema and content, like mm. working the festival circuit is still like, very much a cinema thing like festival circuits are for films. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you're not getting vlogs at a, well, I'm sure there's a vlogging film festival, but like, sure. (laughs) On the, on the, the upper, upper echelon, like, right. You know, it's, that's still one of the avenues. That's one of the major avenues to build a career as a filmmaker. Yeah. And like, it's hard enough. Like, and now it's just getting like harder and harder and it's, I don't know. 
Yeah, I don't know either. I'm curious to see what movies make it out of this and, and get real big, yeah. wide um, distribution deals because that, that'll be telling. Because again, the only reason I know what people are seeing and what people like is because one, I'm on Twitter and two, I'm on Letterboxd. And a lot of people that I know have just been going through the, like doing the... Uh, and they've been seeing a lot of these screenings. Um, yeah. But other than that, like, I would have no idea. Like, there's, I haven't seen any write-ups about anything, really. I haven't seen any, like, major buzz about stuff um, because I think it's like, how do you tell? People are in their houses. They have no one yeah. to talk to. You know, it's one of those things. It's like, I, I just don't know if this is going to be a good thing in the long term or not. It's good for me. Yeah. 20 bucks to see a movie that you'd never be able to see like, it'll be, otherwise. It'll be interesting but. to see if they like spin this off because I mean, there was the Sundance channel for the longest time. And I think it's called Sundance TV now, mm-hmm. which is like, Oh yeah. Like we'll have this whole kind of thing. It would be interesting to see if Sundance TV could ramp up like a streaming service, mm. you know, which like has yeah. got to be pretty easy at this point. Like, I mean, I don't know, but like, I'm like, IMDB has a streaming service. Like I would think so. Yeah. yeah like, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. Yeah. That'd be an interesting thing to see of like, I guess that would go against Sundance's whole model, but like, can mm-hmm. they spin up more views? Could they establish anything off of a Sundance uh, streaming mm. channel? I guess is what I'm saying. But well, right, and the, with the inclusion and introduction of streaming services being such a staple in everyone's household, mm-hmm. it's like, well, a distribution deal looks different than it did even 10 years ago. Yeah. Like it doesn't mean that you're going to get into a theater. It could mean that it just goes day and date onto, onto. I'm sure Netflix (laughs) is at Sundance right now buying all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Guaranteed. Yeah. Which, so that's another, it's, this is really, this is a weird time for filmmakers and films in general. Like (laughs) things just aren't the same and the way people consume and the way that things are uh, even celebrated. It's like, how do you, how do you know what people even watch? Like everyone I know watches different TV, different movies. Yep. Like I, it's yeah. Really, I've really come, odd. I've come to the realization that I and my parents don't have the same taste in TV and movies like at all. I mean like some kind of stuff, but like sure. I feel, well, this is mostly coming off of most of the TV shows that I watch that I'm like, Oh my God, this yeah. uh, they watch and they're like, I don't, I don't get what? this. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know, man. I, I, I'm going to try and catch one or two movies, maybe hopefully before Sundance ends, just be sucks. Cause everything is sold out that I want to see obviously, but yeah, it'll be, interesting. well, I wonder, like, I wonder if this will have any impact on like pirating, mm. you know what I mean? Cause I'm like, yeah, you don't have to sneak a camera into the theater. You just have to do a screen cap. That's Ooh. not detected, which I'm sure they have a ton of stuff built into that to make sure that it's not like ripped and stuff like that. But right. Like Netflix does like as soon as you try and screen grab something, it just goes black. Like that's, (laughs) but it's one of those like show me an 11 foot wall and I'll show you a 12 foot ladder. Like, yeah, I'm sure there's somebody out there. It's like, yeah, no, I just clicked this button in this app I wrote and yeah, yeah. That goes away. Get a capture Uh, card. And yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Very interesting. Ooh, pirating. That's a, that's, that'll be a topic for another day. Cause I think, there's some stuff yeah. that I haven't thought about pirating in a very long time because of yeah. streaming. That's mm, yeah, it's very like yeah. That's we'll write that down for next episode. Y- yeah, yeah, because that's um, very interesting. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk. About, oh, see, 
See, now I've just gotten to the point where I forget you, about doing transitions <laughs> and then I just start talking about the next thing and I'm like, oh shit, I was supposed to do a transition. That's okay. We don't have a set rule. You can do That's true. whatever you need to do. I feel to get like us to there's the next pressure, point. Josh. I feel like there's pressure coming <laughs> off of you to uh, do a really smooth and elegant transition of like, you know what else changes a lot because of pirates? Willem Dafoe. Sure. Are we talking uh, Life Aquatic know, here? Yeah, sure. There you go. I was thinking of like, I was sitting here, I'm like, were there, there were Lighthouse? people in you Lighthouse? Know? Yeah, I was like, that was the one near the sea. Um, He's nautical, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Willem Dafoe. So Willem Dafoe uh, was talking to, I think it was GQ the yeah. other day, mm-hmm. and was explicitly asked for the first time if he was interested in playing the Joker. Yeah. Which there's been rumors like since Joker, this is going to get complicated, mm-hmm. since Joaquin Phoenix's Joker movie mm-hmm. came out that like, oh, that's not the real Joker. There's more Jokers in this world. And Todd Phillips had said, oh, that's an interesting thought, you know. Right. right. Um, and then Willem Dafoe has been like the sort of favorite to be like, oh, yeah, we want a Willem Dafoe Joker. Right. Uh, so he said. There's something interesting about like if there was a Joker imposter. So it would be possible not to, this is not my Willem Dafoe impression. Uh, so it would be possible to not have not dueling Jokers, but someone claims to be the Joker that isn't the Joker. And that kind of opens up the possibility of a really interesting story, particularly if you had Joaquin Phoenix's Joker, and then you had someone else who was either imitating or riffing off of what he did. I fantasize about that, but other than that, I am not talking to anybody about it. You're the first one, meaning the interviewer. Right, right, right. So that'd be cool. Yeah, I'm down. More Willem in anything, honestly, but especially a character like this that I think attracts actors clearly over time, has attracted actors who are looking for a kind of challenge just because of the way that the Joker is laid out in the comics and his character is just so unique. And I think it poses a challenge for a lot of actors that they want to kind of, and they seem to have fun doing it too, which is cool. Um, Yeah. Well, so let me ask you about that. Like, so we're talking, we got four Jokers that we're talking about here, right? Mm-hmm. Really? We got yeah. Jack Nicholson from the old school Batmans. We have Heath Ledger. We have Jared Leto and we have mm-hmm. Joaquin Phoenix. Yes. Um, shout out to all the old school Jokers. Shout out Mark Hamill as the voice of the Joker. Yeah, there you go. That, that'll that do for the, the, so, but we're talking about the main four live action Jokers. Yep. Yep. So, do you think like having to go to this depth is a thing that we really like? I feel like we really just got that from Jared Leto and from Joaquin Phoenix. Mm-hmm. And I think it's kind of because Jared Leto is insane and Joaquin Phoenix had to like not like respond to that, but like it was mm-hmm. almost a little bit expected that he'd go a little crazy in this just because like he's Joaquin Phoenix, but also like he, right. you know, <laughs> it's kind of like, oh, that's what you do for this role. You know, like right. I think of Jack Nicholson, and I think of Heath Ledger, and I don't remember them being like really crazy and method about it and like. Right, right. You know, um, but it's turning into that kind of thing. Right. And I think that the assumption about what led, because I agree with you, but I think that people assumed that Heath Ledger was doing more than he was for that role. I mean, obviously it's an incredible role, but he didn't, like you said, he didn't like plunge himself into the depths for any of that stuff. Exactly. Um, 
but I think, I mean, the further we get into it, I feel like that character needs, not necessarily needs, but it benefits from having something real there. Like some kind of, like either yeah. trauma or something that, that elevates it to another level. I don't necessarily think it's it's needed, especially when we're talking about someone like Jared Leto. I mean, I think that his portrayal of the Joker was, for that type of movie universe i think it was okay you know it wasn't yeah. the worst thing i've ever seen but that's really interesting I, I mean i guess it clearly has been one of those things that over the past five years has been has become this like you have to do this type of thing if you're going to play the joker um but i don't yeah. think it's necessary well and it's interesting because i'm like i don't think willem dafoe would have to do that like i think no. what like to sort of kind of try and paraphrase what you're saying like yeah i think it's like it's not necessarily that it needs like like a real method approach but it needs a real deep approach right like there's yeah. minute details in heath ledger's performance as the joker that are like he had to get to right you know what mm-hmm. i mean like that like the, and i think that's what it kind of is and like jared leto just is like a method actor so he like went down that rabbit hole to <laughs> get that depth of course yeah. um or to attempt at that depth anyway yeah um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like i don't think as and joaquin phoenix again like similar kind of thing like d- does the work but isn't quite as method i'd say as jared leto no but like you know there's still that crazy crazy depth to it um mm-hmm. the thing that i find interesting is i feel like willem dafoe wouldn't like he would build the depth for sure, but like there's a reason that he's so popular because he's very similar to it already. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. like, I think he could build something and he wouldn't have to go crazy method about it. And it could kind of almost like course correct us. Mm. Um, and, and again, I don't know if it would be a correction, but like, you know, be like, okay, it doesn't have to be the insane method. Right. You know, but like you can still get a crazy good performance in the Joker, you know? Oh, totally. I, no, I think that's, I think that's right. And I, like you said, I don't think he would go into that realm really. Cause it's, it's, it's really not needed in Joaquin's case. It, it was because that character was more than just the Joker character. Obviously sure. you see Jared oh, yeah. Leto and it's just like, he is the Joker the whole time. So I think you're right. I don't think he would, he would necessarily need to get there. He would just be able to do it without having to, crawl into these deep holes to try and yeah. <laughs> figure yeah. it out it's the character is very from what i know I, I haven't read that many batman comics but the character is very cut and dry a lot of the times and that's what nolan did with it it was kind of like yeah he's chaos and he likes he's to just do yeah, bad things <laughs> so yeah let's talk so what do you think about redoing and expanding in like joker character joker character joker character joker character I mean, I don't hate it because I enjoy the character, but I think that at this point, what more can you do? You know, we've seen so many iterations that are, they're vastly, wildly different that are all good in their own ways, but it kind of comes to a point where it's like, is this necessary for, for this? And obviously people will continue to play Batman. People will continue to play the Joker. Yeah. But I... I, at a point, and we're getting close to the point where I think it's going to get really tiresome, especially for me to be like, okay, another insane, per, an, another yeah. really talented actor doing just maniacal stuff. 
which is kind of where we're at now. Like I said, the 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 jo- or Joker, you know, Todd Phillips's Joker is is different in the way that it's more of a psychological drama almost than it is a superhero movie, yeah. which puts it in its put puts that movie in its own category. But I don't know. What do you think? I mean, it's tough because you're totally right because there will always be a Batman and there will always be a Joker because they're like two sides of a coin. Yeah. Um, hashtag Two-Face reference. But like, <laughs> I'm also in that point where I'm like, cool. Like, I would love to see Willem Dafoe do a crazy fucking performance. Yeah. You know what I mean? It'll just like DC dark, like unleashed evil performance, you know, because like, I think he's almost there with like Green Goblin. Yeah. Green Goblin is menacing, man. Even in the original like Raimi trilogy or first movie there, it's like he's <sighs> he's a bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, I, I while I'd like to see him go for Joker. I'm like, there's other dark and twisted characters in the DCU that like he could take on. Like, yeah. I don't know. I like I just I'm like, give me something like let's move beyond this huge tentpole character and like like he he he's an amazing character actor and like let him be a character. Exactly. You yes. Know what I mean? Yes. And Joker comes with so much weight these days. Like you, you can't just be yeah. the Joker. And I, I'm obviously not going to blame anything on Heath Ledger because it's one of the greatest performances of all time. But it's after that movie, it became like, a, OK, if you want to do this, you've got to do this. You got to go yeah. for it. And sometimes you just don't need that. Like following his Joker with Leto's Joker was one of the biggest like yeah. shifts in tone and everything that I've I've seen in a long time. And it just didn't work because yeah. Leto took it a little bit too seriously for a movie that he was pretty much not in at all. Yeah. And yeah, I think you're right. I think that if Defoe, I think people look at Willem Dafoe and Green Goblin, they're like, oh, the only character they can think of is Joker for him to play. It's not yeah. like a oh, there, there's so many. There's a myriad of 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 DC I, I, villains. <laughs> I keep thinking of Mad Hatter, yes, which is like just a oh, crazy man. dude. And like that would be again. I don't read a lot of Batman, but like I've read a few on on that character, mm-hmm. and I'm like, that's just as insane. Not as like unambiguously evil and chaotic, mm-hmm. but like. That's okay. <laughs> like, yeah, like let's give depth to it, you know. Yeah, I, Not that there's I, I no com- depth to Joker, as I negate my previous. Right, right, <laughs> right. But you, but there's a built-in depth that you have to bring to it now, especially yeah. after Todd Phillips's Joker. It's, it's like, yeah. that was up for Best Picture. That did something to it to to have that become like more of a like a prestigious film to be like, yeah. oh well, now this is real. Now we have to do this and be serious about it and have only uh, obviously it's it's good if it's an Academy Award winner winning actor but it's it's got a lot of baggage with it now yeah and I would like to see us get some distance from that character and maybe have a well <laughs> you know? especially like he's they're talking in the quote he, he's talking about doing a movie with Joaquin Phoenix with two Jokers and I'm like right like it would inevitably be called Jokers yes. You know, and like, cool, but like, like give give me something else. Like, there's so much better to play off than a mirror. I guess. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. Yeah. So, Willem, come on, shut it down. You should have been like, nope, never heard of it, never doing it. <laughs> I mean, if they throw it at him, I will totally watch the shit out of it. But like, of I'm like, like, 
that would be that's like kind of I think my dream moving forward with like superhero movies movies or like mm-hmm. side bar superhero movies mm-hmm. of like certain actors like Ryan Reynolds esque finding some like back catalog hero or villain that they love and being like I'm playing this right and I'm gonna crush this and this is gonna be me right and like you know I would love for Willem Dafoe just to like comic book nerd out for two months and find some like Mad Hatter-esque character of oh man yeah I'm just gonna like own this yeah yeah pull pull the pull a Dwayne Johnson and be like I'm Black Adam it's like who yeah. the, who the yeah. hell is They're, Black exactly. Adam yeah <laughs> it's like this is what I was <laughs> right. born to play We're let's like, what? build a couple <laughs> movies around this so that we can establish what Black <laughs> Adam is yeah yeah, I, I'm. I'm. I think you're right. I, I'm. I'm more on board with something like that than if they just re- keep recycling the same thing over and over because people know who the yeah. Joker is and they know it's going to be a wild performance. And yeah, yeah. So you know, else is going to be. You know, what else has some wild performances? Perfect stunt coordinators and stunt men and women. Stunt people. Yes. Stunt men stunt, and women. Stunt performers. Stunt, I don't know. Yeah. yeah stunt, stunt performers. People. There you go. Yeah. I like that. So there was an article that came out, I said at the top, uh, in the Hollywood Reporter about getting an Oscar for the art form of stunt work Mm -hmm. because there's not. And it's arguably something that takes just as much uh, talent as acting, arguably more. Yeah. For some actors. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, (laughs) And it's like really not represented in any capacity. Nope. So what do you think, Josh? Yay or nay for stunt coordinator or stunt performer Oscar? Yay, a hundred percent. I mean, there's there's not a movie out there really, unless we're talking like a really like mellow drama that's not utilizing stunt people. I mean, it, it really yeah. is something that is so underappreciated but but used a lot. I mean, it's 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 something that's also a thankless job, too, because the stunt people are not doing it yep. for the fame or the glory or any of that stuff. These people are doing it be- to make the film better, which is something that and I don't want to speak for all actors, but there's there's a lot of like vanity that goes into becoming someone, especially like a really high profile actor, or a blockbuster actor that's like doesn't require a whole lot going on there. That's yeah very much in that in that vein whereas stunt people are just there to make everybody else look good which is just i mean how can yeah. you not how can you not appreciate those people and give them an award especially when we're working with i mean people praise tom cruise we do it all the time about his stunt work yeah i mean yeah he does a couple crazy things here and there but there's stunt people who do that stuff every day and they get hurt and they do the craziest stuff and they get up and they do it again the next day and they get paid far less than any of these other people and are definitely there for more time on set. And so it's, yeah, it's, it's long overdue and it's, it's kind of, it's, it's really insulting that they don't have any kind of category for it. Cause especially cause I think the SAG awards and the Emmys both have Mm -hmm. something in there for that, which I'm like, dude, if the Emmys has it for television stunts, yeah. come on dude like come on academy how <laughs> yeah it, it's one of those things it's like were there to be an oscar for stunt coordinator or i don't know why i keep saying coordinator but like stunt well, either or yeah yeah that will elevate the art form so much so quickly yes. because suddenly it's like 
people watch the Oscars and like having it a stunt Oscar category is going to make people start to take notice of it and start to learn about the art form. Cause you know what I mean? When you're like, Oh, like here's the Oscar for cinematography or sound design or score or whatever. Like, yeah. When you watch movies that are nominated for those things, your brain goes, okay, I have to like keep a little bit more of an eye out for the cinematography or like listen a little bit closer for the depth in the, um, you know, in the soundtrack and the score, like totally. And it's going to do the same thing of like, okay, I got to like watch for the stunts in this. Yeah. And then you'll be, start being like, oh, wait, like what, how do I quantify a good stunt versus a bad stunt? Like, oh, right. could I tell that it was the uh, like a stunt person? Like right. how seamlessly like can they, you know, there's a level to which it's like, yeah, if you do a fall, you have to make sure you don't fall. And it's just like your face staring at the camera. Like, you right. know, there's nuance to it. A hundred percent. I'm all for Let's yeah. elevate that. Let's see what people can do. Let's like, not the, pe- I feel like I'm coming off of like <laughs> stunt people are like lazy, like just cause they can't win an Oscar. It's not what I'm saying at all, but like, right, right. There's like a competition that's involved and competition breeds like growth. So. Yep. A hundred percent. And yeah, I mean, it'll obviously take things up a notch, but you know, when you see bad fight choreo you know when yeah. you see people who are clearly you know if a lot of times it's when you have the actor do the stunts where it looks really really bad there's a fight in game of thrones where i can't remember who's fighting but the mountain or someone versus someone else and they actually had them do this sword fight mm-hmm. oh actually here's a good example when mave is is doing her training in the boys oh my word it, it is so mm. unbelievably bad. So everyone go go back and watch that sequence because yeah. they, they basically have to cut so frequently as to make it look like she knows what she's doing because there's a lot of close-ups yeah. on her face. And then you see something like The Raid. Yeah. That's just... You, you know these people are taking real hits too. Like they're taking yeah. hits to the face and it, 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 it makes it so much more impactful and then something that I'll rag on later on, which is like, yeah, the, that yeah. fight from the boys was straight up garbage and you could tell. And it, there's so much more talent and nuance that goes into stuff like that, that people just, you're right, they don't understand. And obviously, if you put it into an Oscar category, people will take more notice. And mm-hmm. it's it's such an art form. If you have bad stunt coordination and stunt performers doing something like that, it, it shows and it negatively yeah. impacts the movie like on a crazy level that people might not even understand. It's such a thankless job. It's pretty insane how how yeah like humble you'd have to be as a stuntman. Like you have to just be like, yeah, well, I, you think that that's him, but that's me. You yeah. know, you, every I'm 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 here to make it look like he's doing it, and yeah. that's what it is. And it's like that is so insane. That, and then everyone's like, yeah, you know, it is what it is. It's so crazy. I mean, these people. I I encourage everyone to go watch the Corridor Crew. Um, YouTube channel because they have an entire series based around stunt people and it's it's insane the stuff they have to go through and the stuff that they do and how much how frequently they get hurt and the amount of stuff they have to memorize just as much stuff as an actor does and you know it's it's even harder because it's physically demanding you know you got to do a flip on the day and make it look like you're getting punched and that's not easy it's just not um so yeah no totally it's like I don't know. It's something that I, as we're sitting here talking, I'm like, I wonder what the presentation kind of thing would be for like, you know, they always do like a little clip for each 
Um, and mm. it's always like the actor, you're like in their most like dramatic scene or like, you know, right. The cinematography is the big vistas or, you know, like whatever kind of thing like that. I'm like, right. How do you break down the scenes for like, I'm like, do you do the scene and then do a behind the scenes shot of like, oh yeah, here's this person jumping off a 35 foot building. I would imagine so. Yeah. Like, and be like, just, look at what oh, they did. It'd be so cool. Yeah. <laughs> Lit them on fire and sent them out a window. And you think that that doesn't deserve an award? Are you kidding yeah. me? Because it's 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 always those sequences too that make you go like when you're in the theater, make you go whoa, like that whoa, like that was insane, like that yeah. one fighting move was crazy, and it's like those are the stunt people and the coordinators that make that shit look good. I mean, why do you think John Wick is as popular as it is? It's not yeah. because Keanu is the greatest of all time, which he is. <laughs> it's because they made all of that stuff look so good, and it's directed yeah. by a stunt coordinator and who is also his stunt man in the. Matrix. That's why that yeah. movie looks so damn good. <laughs> it's just one of those things. I can't. Yeah, it's it's pretty alarming that there's not a category for stunt work yet. Yeah, like it's it's, it's twenty twenty. This and, and like motion capture performance. Yeah, is like if you use the Mission Impossible movies as like a metric, you know, mm-hmm. like that shit just keeps escalating. It's like he's right. like they're pushing higher and higher and like right. jumping off of higher and higher. Yeah. And it's just like that's the like this stuff is so growing so intense that it's like incredibly impressive. Not that it wasn't before, but like it's incredibly impressive. Yeah. 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 And it was, I mean, I think you mentioned the general like on a way and a super early episode. Yeah. Um, Buster Keaton. Yeah. And it's like if you just watch that movie, like you can't even mm-hmm. imagine. Some of it looks like it wouldn't be hard, but you can't imagine the difficulty in doing anything that they were doing, especially back then when they didn't have any of the yeah. ro- any of the real safety precautions they do now, it's insane how much disrespect that kind of profession gets. And I know, like in Once Upon a Time, they kind of like, well, the stunt people yeah. are the badasses, which is true, but it's still like you don't you don't even you're not even gonna acknowledge that they've done this. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting thought of like, why has it never been a category? You know what I mean? Like you look at like the old school and like, you know, who knows what the Oscars were like back, you know, what this is the 94th Oscars coming up. So, yeah, yeah. um, So who knows what they were like back at the 22nd Oscars or whatnot. But like, how were they not like, oh, my God, like to continue with the general, like he Mm -hmm. sat on the front of a moving train and threw like train crosses that would otherwise derail like. Or yeah. they drove a train into the the ravine, like yeah. How was that not? I would yeah. watch that documentary, right? And even like Chaplin, I mean, there's they're they're yeah. they're built in stuntmen because they're both, and it's like, how does that? Maybe that's where the diff. Maybe that's where they split it. They're like, well, you're an actor, and you're just doing these things. Yeah. I don't know though. That's very interesting Harold because Lloyd I can't too imagine. Is worth worth shouting yeah. out. Yeah. Hmm. Hundred percent. It's um. Yeah, it's kind of astounding actually because it's it's only gotten crazier, but it started crazy. It started yeah. with like we're gonna maybe kill you here. Yeah. So get ready. Lull, you know, there was a lull in the late '90s when everything everything was CG for a while. Right. Well, I guess like even then they're still jumping off of stuff. Yeah, they they are, and they are willingly and voluntarily jumping off stuff for you yeah. to make your movie look that much better. And then, eh, you know. 
maybe it's because that it's the part of the action genre like that's what it's associated with and people think that's lower brow or something i, I don't know it's you know who that's knows? an interesting concept yeah i don't know you know what we'll do when um we should write this down but when we do our oscar nominations episode yeah we should look at it and be like are there stunts ooh. in this ooh are there stunts in it like we can look at the the list of hey maybe that can be like our recommendation for the maybe we can do our own oscar nominations of who should be uh yeah stunt stunt oscars yeah oh, i i i dig that i dig I that i like that too We'll give our we'll give them some credit on our little podcast here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man, yeah. It's a appreciate whole way to look people. at the list of twenty twenty one films. It's true. It's very true. <laughs> the power of the dog. What what kind of stunts? <laughs> hey, horses. Actually, I'm sure there was stunt people on that. There had yeah. to have been. <laughs> yeah. Wow. You know, I mean, what else? Um, what else is there? Oh man, I'm trying to even think of what even yeah, came right. out last year. It's the only thing I can think of is Spencer, and I'm like, probably not Spencer. Probably not. Although Kristen Stewart ran a bit ground. in there. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there was the car stuff at the beginning. That's um, true. That's true. I'm sure Tragedy of Macbeth had some stunt work in it. Um, yeah. Even stuff like Licorice Pizza. I'm like, I'm there, there. There just had to have been stunt work in all of these. Just just at a at a super yeah. small scale even belfast um, for sure the green knight yep. for sure don't look up for sure matrix yep. absolutely spider-man like there's probably mostly stunt people in that movie <laughs> like 90 <Yeah>. percent <laughs> yeah huh very interesting the harder they fall so for we'll, sure we'll we'll leave it yeah we'll leave it like this uh dear listener next time you watch a movie keep an eye out and be like Where's the stunt person in this? Because yeah. it's a good bet if there's any kind, like even if there's like a punch, you yeah. know what I mean? Like if some if some main character just gets like decked in the face or something like that, that's all stunt work. That's, you yeah. know, any like faster car driving, anything like that, that's all stunt work. That'd be an interesting breakdown of like what would a, Ooh. what are the subcategories of stunt Oscars? Right, because there's like fighting, a difference. Yeah, fight fighting choreography, for sure. Driving. Yep. But then there's like a whole like falling. Yeah. Like just a big Jumping fall. from buildings. Yeah. Yeah. Wire work. Like that's a whole other thing. Um, Should stunt coordinators just have an award show? I feel like Do yes. Do stunt coordinators have an award show? I don't know. <laughs> but they, sh- they definitely should. I, I feel like th- we're going to have to research this. We'll come back to this next week. I will make a note. Because yeah. I want to know. I'm sure they have something that's like, yeah, every year we get together and we do. Holy shit. Look at what he did. Right, right. There has to be. Because I know there's been honorary like awards given out to people yeah. who've done just the most insane shit. Um, but I wonder if there's like a stunt union that just, right. you know, like Ooh. SAG, that just does the stunt awards. Yeah, we'll, we'll circle back to this because I'm very, very curious also, now. also, where can I stream it? Yes, exactly. I would. That's one I want to fucking watch. Yeah. Like, screw the globes. Give me the stunties or whatever. Yeah, the stunties. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I dig it. Oh, man. So, yeah. Whew. Step up, Academy. Yes, in let's every get, way, pretty much. <laughs> let's get it going. Yes. Oh. All right. Should so we do let's recommendations? Bring it on home. Yeah, let's bring it on back to our recommendation. Josh, what was our prompt for our recommendation this year? Week? So, our 
this year. Yes. <laughs> so our prompt this week is going to be, or uh, is, a movie that we would recommend that did not perform well at the box office, or AKA is a flop, one that did not make its budget back and probably lost some money along the way there, which there are a great number of them, and there are a yes. number of films that are really, really good that did not do well at the box office, especially historically speaking. I mean, it's hard to, to make heads or tails of what you should look at when it comes to metrics on if a movie's good, but box office, eh, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's usually a a pretty good bet. Yeah. Um, so you want to start us off here with yours? or Sure. So I was looking through a list of box office flops, and I came mm-hmm. across this one, and I was like, Ooh. I can't not. Uh, and this is the 2001 film Osmosis Jones. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, Osmosis Jones is a movie starring Chris Rock as the title character, Osmosis Jones, uh, who mm-hmm. is a white blood cell in the body of Bill Murray. <laughs> uh, it is mostly animated. The not in Bill Murray sections are live action and it's. It's like a whole thing with his life and how he gets sick, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, mm-hmm. And then the rest of it is animated and it has an absolute all-star cast. Uh, it's about Osmosis Jones and Drix, a cold pill, fighting a super virus. Um, and it's fantastic. Yeah. Chris Rock, David Hyde Pierce is Drix. Uh, yep. Lawrence Fishburne is the 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 disease. I mean, Isn't down Shatner to like in it? <laughs> Shatner's in it. Ron Howard's in it. Kid Rock plays Kidney Rock uh, in it. It's on the it's, nose. Okay, it's amazing. That's uh, incredible. <laughs> did terribly at the box office. Oh, it's also worth no- it's um, the Farrelly brothers directed mm-hmm. it of mm-hmm. something about Mary, myself, and Irene. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, did terribly in the box office. Had a budget around 70, 75 million, I think. Oh, oh um, Lord. Which is, you know, not insane, but big. Big, yeah. And made um made a total of fourteen million dollars worldwide. Oh my god. <laughs> so yeah, its opening weekend was five million dollars, and that was two thousand one. Um Yep. But uh, yeah, it, it 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 didn't didn't have a good good time. But it's funny. It's worth it. Uh, I don't know if it's worth it. It's fun. It's if you just like <laughs> want to knock something out and you don't know what to do, pop on Osmo- Osmosis Jones. Throw it on there. If for no other reason than Bill Murray playing pretty much like low energy, like pretty much playing Carl Spackler. Um, right. Right. <laughs> Oh my god, that's I have not watched that movie in well over ten years. Like streaming on Netflix, <laughs> close to really okay. Yeah. Well, I'll need to add that to my if queue you want to now. Knock it out tonight or anything. <laughs> knock that out. <laughs> wow, I didn't realize how big of a flop that was. That is that is a bomb. That's crazy. Yeah. Didn't even come yeah. close. Wow. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Josh? What do you got? Uh, so I got a movie here that is it not quite as big of a bomb as that, but it definitely did not make its budget back. Uh, and it's a movie that goes by the name of Clockers, which I just watched um, mid last year, which is a surprising, not surprisingly, it's a Spike Lee movie. Um, 
that is it's actually really good it's underrated i don't think a lot of people really know about it i think i heard about it on a podcast where people were just talking about spike lee movies and they're like oh this is a pretty decent one um stars mckay pfeiffer uh harvey keitel as literally just every character he's ever played um delroy lindo who's uh, absolutely menacing in this movie like straight up incredible uh john tuturo keith david i mean it's it's kind of like the usual suspects from spike which is awesome yeah. it's it's reliable uh and it's a movie that basically deals with street level drug dealers aka clockers in brooklyn in the 90s which is something that i know very little about uh and it has the inner workings of kind of like this I wouldn't say like an empire, but almost a drug kingpin kind of, and how he deals with like the the people in his circle, which is Mackay Pfeiffer plays Striker, who is yeah. or Strike, who is a one of his his dealers, and it's really interesting because obviously Spike Lee is a master at this kind of uh, nuanced film that deals highly with racism and police and the police state and everything that goes along with that. And of course, like drug, uh, drug use and all of that yeah. stuff in, in Brooklyn and in the inner cities. And it's just a really decent crime movie that hits home and is just as dark as it is hopeful when you mm-hmm. get towards like the, the later half of it. And I just really enjoyed this movie. I thought it was a good time. And it was something that I can't believe I hadn't heard of before because it's dealing with all this stuff that I love and yeah. has many of the people that I love in it. And Spike Lee is one of my favorite classic Spike Lee. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite directors. And it's, it's, yeah, it's, you feel inner tor- turmoil within his characters that are so like dynamic that shouldn't feel dynamic. And yeah. it's just, it's really well done, so I highly recommend it. Unfortunately, you have to rent this movie everywhere, but it's only four bucks. So, if you're looking for that type of movie, definitely check it out. It's good. You won't be for disappointed. Sure. Um, the budget was twenty five million, and it okay. made thirteen point one million. Oof, which sucks. But again, I don't think people knew about it really. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that was I don't know. <laughs> and that was from and it, kind of a time in Spike's career where I felt like he kind of. Didn't give a shit about box office. Not that he does I think now, so. really, but like... Right, but he he really didn't care. Yeah. And it's funny because Scorsese was actually supposed to direct this and he went off to do Casino instead, which was a, a little a funny little wrinkle there. Um, yeah. But yeah, so Clockers, everybody. Cool. Clockers and Osmosis Jones. Yes, a w- that's a hell of a double feature right Sorry. there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Well... Let's wrap it up here. Uh, Josh, yeah. where can people find you on the internet? People can find me on the internet on uh, Instagram at Josh J. Fuller, on Twitter at Josh Fuller 33. Fuller is spelled with no E. You can also find me on Letterboxd at Josh Fuller. If you just search that, I should come up and you'll see me. And uh, yes. where can people find you, Willis? Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Willis Film. You can find me on Letterboxd at Willis Film. Uh, and if you want to find the podcast itself, you can find us on Instagram at Pixel Splitters, on Twitter at Pixel Split Pod, and on Instagram. Nope, already said Instagram. And on um, Letterbox at Pixel Splitters, where you can see all of our recommendations. You can see all of our top and bottom lists, and uh, mm. you know, kind of see what we uh, what we're into these days. So yeah, it's a good gauge of where we're at. You know. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that was quite an episode. It was covered a lot of stuff, lots of industry yeah. stuff, which I'm lots like, of yes. industry stuff, 
Well, it's, it's, it's one of those like we're starting to gear up towards the Oscars here. Like, it's, I know it's in the it's in the up and coming. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, it is. It's true. Huh. All right. All man. right, then. Well, let's um, let's wrap it up and let's uh, I'm going to go see if I can Google about some stunt awards and see what I can find. Yeah, I'm going to ponder whether or not I'm going to start Osmosis Jones right now. We'll see. (laughs) We'll definitely see. All right, man. Uh, Good talking to you. As always, I will talk to you next week. All right, man. Do this again. Sounds good. And thank you, everyone, for listening. 